You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, I am so happy because we've got a great show for you today here on Water Flying. Today we're going to talk about the multi-engine seaplane rating, which just happens to be the cover of the current issue of Water Flying Magazine. And we have a unique uh, opportunity or situation where we actually have three multi-engine seaplane pilots at the table, which is kind of a a rare thing to have with only about 3,000 multi-engine seaplane pilots in the world. So I'd like to uh, welcome Abby Kellett, my co-pilot and fellow multi-engine seaplane pilot herself, and my good buddy and editor of Waterflying Magazine, Mr. Mark Twombly. So uh, it is quite a feat to have three multi-engine seaplane pilots in any one place. And it is, I'd like to just welcome Mark to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And let me just say, hi, Abby. I'm meeting you today for the first time in person. You know, Mark, it's really nice to put a face to the name because I've heard so much about you and I know we've talked. So it's just a pleasure. And I am excited to be here talking about some of the coolest flying I've had the opportunity to do, which is flying the air cam. So I really want to know, how in the world did you get that picture? What is the story behind the picture on the cover of this magazine? Well, um, back in a previous life, I worked for AOPA Pilot Magazine, and uh, we did all our cover shots, air-to-air cover shots. Shots were done from another airplane. The photographer was in another airplane, and a lot of the shots that we do uh, at uh, Water Flying are the same. But we also do some from boats, because these are seaplanes. It's a little bit different than AOPA. I don't think you did much. very many uh, no, photo no shoots shots. for AOPA from boats. Okay. No, none. Can't think of one. <laughs> uh, and this particular one was done from a boat. The, our excellent photographer, Brad Fuller, was in a boat that was piloted by Ian Lockwood, who is the son of Phil Lockwood, who's in... Uh, the airplane with me in the cover. So uh, Phil uh, is a very accomplished photographer. Uh, that's the origin of the oh, air camera. I was going to say literally. Air camera, yep. right. So he knows his stuff. He's done many, many photo shoots with the air cam, and he knows the best angles and right. how to get the shots. So he set this all up. We flew up to his house um, on Lake Jackson in Sebring, uh, and Ian was at the ready, uh, put Brad, uh, Brad drove up, got in the boat and, uh, we had a route we were going to fly. And, uh, so we, we made several rounds and we flew just a few feet from this boat, very close. I've, I've really never flown that close to an object, whether it's an airplane or whatever. We were right there. And we will stress, we are trained professionals. Yes. Well, so full disclosure here, um, uh, Phil had me do a few circuits uh, flying on, and he said, well, here, let me show you how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So that shot right there probably is with Phil uh, in the rear. 
cocktail. All I know controls. is I got a call from Brad saying, well, you're going to love the shot. And the boat has new yellow racing stripes on it. So oh, wow. seriously, <laughs> it was about that close. That- I mean, you can see just like good grief. Every speck of hair on your head. We can read your hat. It and, is. It that's is good because there aren't many hairs on my head to begin <laughs> with. So, uh, oh th- my goodness! This is a this is just a portion of the photo. Uh, right. We cropped it for the vertical. It was a horizontal. And uh, to see the whole photo, you, you have the boat wake right there. We just cropped out the boat wake. We are, you know, this, uh, this is not, you know, uh, a telephoto. Oh, no. Where it looks close. This is a wide angle, and it we're right there. That is just awesome. Just yeah. the precision that had to go into this. You mm-hmm. know, everyone being at the top of their game, being safe, you know, everyone being aligned. And, and uh, with the amazing. right light, we had to be yes. at the angle for the right light. So exactly. we made, as I say, we made, I don't know, at least a half dozen circuits of the of the little area of the lake we wow. worked in and to get it. Wow. It was, it, was, it was a hoot. So, you know, I've had the good experience of flying the Air Cam. I, I hate to say it, I'm probably one of its largest fans as a non-owner. I hope to own one someday. But what's what's your impression of flying the air cam? What was the overall experience? Well, every airplane's different, and you look for. It, it, I'm sure you're ask you're ask Abby what's the what's the best airplane? What's the most fun airplane you've ever flown, and so on. And I can't answer that because each one is different in it's its true. own way. That's true. Um, this one would have to rank right up there with one of the most pleasurable, uh, most fun airplanes to fly uh, because of its performance, for one. Uh, there's no substitute for power, and uh, this has it uh, in combination with its uh, big wing and so on. It, it uh, has tremendous takeoff performance. Uh, where you sit in the front uh, cockpit, you're right out there in front. There's no obstructions to uh, to limit your view, uh, so you have this fantastic view. It's a, a stick. Uh, it's just uh, and you're sitting up kind of high, which is neat. But you're sitting in front of the float. So describe yeah. that experience, that magic carpet. It, it's uh, there is there is a photo in the story that that somewhat I think shows the perspective of, of what the pilot sees, which is nothing. Right, you just uh, see water in Nothing of the front airplane. Of you. Yeah. Yeah, just the water. You have a little bit of an outline of a windshield. Otherwise, the world is right there from, you know, 90 degrees either side of you. You just have this panoramic view. And uh, it's great for just the pleasure of it. It's great for the flying part of it, too. I remember getting into a comment with someone or a dis- discussion, a passionate discussion with someone. I said, you know, there's nothing that has a better visibility than than the air cam. And it's like, oh, no, I have a Super Cub. You can't beat the visibility in a Super Cub. And I said, well, I actually own a Super Cub, and I can tell you that the air cam is even better than the Super Cub. So if you're inside any cockpit, you have less of a view than here because you're not inside anything. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, it's the performance. Uh, talk a little bit about the performance that you experience in the air cam. I mean, the takeoff performance is, is pretty stellar. <laughs> yes, spirited, uh, whatever adjective you want to use. I it, like spirited. Yes. It, it, again, multi-engine, uh, just 100 horsepower each, but that's 200 horsepower. And uh, it has a large high-lift wing on it. And those two aspects. And, and Phil also says... 
he has specially designed wing tips that that contribute to this. Uh, I haven't figured out the aerodynamics of that yet, but he he says the wing, the wing tips, the power all contribute to this incredible takeoff performance. And he does, uh, you know, if you explore the AirCam videos, uh, you can see him take off on one engine in the AirCam, and uh, that's. That's pretty hard to do in a multi-engine airplane. And so. they're just little rotaxes, yeah. just little 100 horse. Wow. Right. But, you know, there, there's something different. The one thing about the air cam kind of harks back to the Sukhoi is the only thing that I can relate to where the entire tail surface is covered by prop wash. And so if you go back to our days with the Sukhois, going back to the aerobatic world, the Sukhoi was unique at the time because the, with a nine-foot propeller, the entire tail surface and ailerons, the full-length ailerons, were covered by the uh, the prop wash. And in the air cam with the two high-mounted engines, each engine ensures that the entire elevator surface and rudder surface is getting a lot of wash. So I think that's a lot of the takeoff performance mm-hmm. as well. Right, right, right. And, and also uh, the pusher configuration helps with the lack of uh, yaw on a single-engine operation because you're not getting air blowing up over one wing like you would in a conventional uh, multi-engine airplane with, with a tractor configuration. That's true. That's true. So getting into some of the meat of it, um, so the checklist use, you know, seaplanes, really anything, especially multi-engine, you have all these procedures, you have specified checklists for what you're flying. So I know the AirCam had a gifts checklist, which was specific to the AirCam that you went through in training. So... There was also the will not checklist. So tell us a little bit about that. The uh, well checklists, of course, are uh, fundamental in any airplane, no matter how simple. Uh, so you don't forget some essential item like putting the gear down. Of course. Um, the guest checklist is one that uh, that AirCam uses. Uh, gear instruments where you you check uh, obviously all your instruments flaps to the wire for most land most water landings it's 25 degrees Uh, there's no flap indicator so you have to look back and uh, you extend the flaps to one of the uh, strut uh, supporting wires Um, fuel pumps on uh, trim and then S is for speed. Uh, about sixty-five mile per hour is what you want to fly your base and final approach at. And you do not want to get slow. I remember that. I remember that. Low speed, high drag airplane, Good which grief. is really one of the uh, the things uh, that is drilled into you in the training, uh, and it's very important because you can get into trouble quickly. Jason's really good about that. So yeah. the will not checklist is something that we go through you know, in the training in the Cubs. So looking at a body of water, your goal is to not hurt anybody, including yourself. You know, you don't want to land on a boat. You don't want to land on a swimmer. So going through that will not of wind, water, the lane that you're going to land on, noise abatement, can you be a better neighbor, obstructions or traffic, towers, terrain, thunderstorms, any threats that you experience up there or you see. So did you find yourself using that will not checklist pretty Pretty actively? I did. Um, and it, it does take a bit of practice to use both will not and gifts when there's a lot going on in the uh, a training flight. Right. Uh, so low in altitude. Yes. 
Exactly. And um, maybe you're doing multiple takeoff and landings on a particular body of water, and you want to do both of those checklists every time. Uh, and the will not was, is, was new to me as a checklist. So it takes practice to get right. all of that down. Make sure you're covering every one of those letters in there. And as simple as the air cam is to operate, I think that's one of the big things is not being lulled into a complacency where you forget to do these checklists because they're really critical in a seaplane. Mm-hmm. And so it is, you, you're operating very low altitude mm-hmm. and you're flying a very different airplane from anything that you've ever flown before. And um, on the gifts checklist, uh, the, the air cam we're flying has Claymar floats, amphibious floats, and it has uh, a gear position indicator lights in the cockpit. One, and one of the unusual things about the gear system in the air cam is after the gear is up and you get the lights, you hold this toggle switch up to make sure that it's in place another four or five seconds. Then you check the gear straws on the float itself. And the air cam I found a little unusual in that it has a forward gear straw for the front uh, nose gear and then one over the main gear. So it has two straws on each float. It's kind of difficult to crank your head around and see that rear gear straw. It helps to have somebody in the rear cockpit to confirm that that straw is in the correct position. Right, right. Yeah, or use your back passenger. Yeah, use yes, your back passenger. Exactly. Um, someone that knows what they're talking about that can confirm that. Because, you know, landing gear down, that's just no joke. I know we've talked about it here. It's something that seaplane pilots just need to be aware of constantly. Go through your checklist. Check mm-hmm. your gear. An amphibian pilot should never be comfortable with their gear position. I mean, that's what it just comes down to. So, Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the single-engine operations in the air cam because they're kind of unique as well. So, you know... Yeah, just you talked about the power, you know, the little 912 road taxes that you have on the air cam. Just an amazing amount amount of power. So where does that come from that you're able to take off with nothing, with no yaw and just amazing performance? It's, it's, a, it's a fairly light uh, aircraft. It's fabric covered. Uh, most of the structure is fabric. Um, there's not a lot going on in the cockpits at all. So uh, uh, there is not much to the structure in terms of mass or weight. So it's fairly light. And 100 horsepower doesn't sound like a lot, but you got two of those. You got 200 horsepower. And again, uh, the engines are uh, positioned uh, high on the wing in a pusher configuration, much closer to the center line of the airplane than you find on most uh, multi-engine airplanes. So for single-engine operations, that's a distinct advantage because uh, you, the, uh, when you have one engine inoperative, the other one uh, is pretty close to the center line. You don't have a moment out there that's causing a lot of yaw. Plus, you don't have air flowing over the wing over that's the wing, creating yeah. lift on one wing. Uh, that would uh, also add to that tendency. So it, uh, in terms of uh, yaw on a single engine, there is not much on, a, on an air cam. And that's a great safety advantage, no question. I really did. I found that amazing, just the, the amount of power you could get on a single engine in that thing. I mean, I don't want to say it's a kite. It's it's an airplane. It's got weight to it. But 
good grief, that thing is light and yes. you can take off on a dime. I yeah. it blew my mind every time, honestly. Yeah. I challenge you to to provide me with another multi engine seaplane that'll take off on a single engine from a dead stop. I forfeit that challenge. I <laughs> I, I can't win that. So the air cam is pretty much it. I, I will tell a little story. Uh, I did some work with twin commanders and uh, aero commanders. And when they first came out with the first multi-engine aero commander, they took off from uh, Oklahoma City, uh, the airport in Oklahoma City, and on one engine. And really? And flew it to Washington, D.C. Wow. As a sort of a marketing stunt. However, they took the prop off the other engine. So yeah, there, so it wasn't was quite no fair. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what else they did to you know to accomplish that, but it was highly unusual. And I don't think there's you certainly couldn't do it today. And I doubt there's any other multi-engine airplane you could take off on one engine. Yeah, oh, and especially an amphibian. Yeah, where you've got all the drag of the water and all that to get over with. Definitely. So uh, the AirCam is an amphibious airplane, so you need to go through amphibian uh, procedures, and we talked a little bit about the importance of gear position, but uh, why don't you talk to me about some of the training aspects of training in the AirCam and that amphibian factor? Well, as we discussed, checklist use is primary uh, to make sure the gear is in the position you want it to be in for the uh, surface you're going to land on. And as Steve mentioned, uh, the first thing you should do after takeoff from a uh, hard surface runway is raise the gear. Positive rate gear up. Yes. Don't leave the gear down because you're setting yourself up for a problem. Uh, if you have to land on the water, plan to land on the water. If you're distracted, as has happened, uh, unfortunately, too many times with people, uh, they forget to put the gear down after taking off uh, from a hard surface runway. So sterile cockpit, you know. Takeoffs, landings, most critical phases of flight, trying to keep it sterile, trying to keep everything nice and quiet so you can focus on those checklists. And 500 feet, you're pretty much always in that critical phase of flight. Mm -hmm. And you have uh, two ways of uh, confirming the gear is in the uh, position you want it. And one is the indicator lights on the panel. The other is uh, the straws on the floats. And as Abby said, if you have a passenger in the rear seat, Put that person to work to confirm that uh, the straws are Yeah, use them as your second uh, gear warning system. There, but you have no performance. Uh, you have no audible cues. You have no performance no, cues. No. One other interesting thing I found in the training uh, reading through the uh, manual was uh, if you have a, some sort of gear failure, and there, there are multiple kinds of failures you could have, uh, basically the answer is if you ever have any gear down, that you can't raise one, two, three, whatever, you're landing on land. Yeah. Never ever yeah, land absolutely. on water with even just one gear down. So if they fail up, fine. Just land on the water. No problem. And you can land on land without without a great deal of damage, but never land in the water with one even one gear extended. Yeah, that's a tempting but uh fatal error for people to do. We all need that tattooed on ourselves. So <laughs> gear up water landing. So the experience in training. So what you experienced, um, you know, you had to come to the training with your multi-engine land first. They don't have you get in a multi-engine airplane and expect you to learn all this sea stuff, you know, reading the water, reading the water, operating at 500 feet in a multi-engine airplane, which most people don't do. Um, so what, what do you think that was like? 
because you came in here with an Aztec. So yes, you have a multi-engine land airplane. Far, far more difficult to fly than the air cam. And the multi-engine training in the air cam, um, I think uh, uh, the purpose it serves is to show you that it's very safe flying aircraft on one engine. That's assuring. That's reassuring. Yeah, it is. That what, was my takeaway. The, 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 what I got out of the training in terms of, uh, you know, operating the aircraft safely is it's a low-speed, high-drag airplane. And um, you always need to be aware of that. Don't let yourself get into a position where you're so slow behind the power curve, whatever, that, that something bad could happen. Yeah, if you get into that zero thrust situation, you need to. It's um, remarkable how much you have to point that thing down to the yes. ground and how quickly you have to do it. That's one of the uh, demonstrations we did. Was uh, you're, the only way you're going to have a dual power failure in this thing is if you run out of gas. Right, it's happened, and uh, so you chop the power and see how quickly you need to get that nose down to about eighty-five miles an hour. I think and give yourself a little bit of margin on the flare to land uh, whatever you're going to land on without that mass and with that high drag it just yeah. it's pretty amazing you gotta put that nose down yeah. or you just a barn door got no chance yeah. yeah the barn door yeah so what's the real takeaway from everything here you know what can you tell our listeners about uh the air cam slash multi-engine c experience and why someone might want to do it uh, for for someone who's contemplating getting an air cam, it's a very safe airplane on single engine. Um, it the training uh, is air cam specific. I say because of this. Uh, here here's here's what the airplane is. Here's what it can do. Here's how it can get you into trouble, and and the trouble is mostly getting too slow right. in it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not preparation for flying just about any other multi-engine seaplane. You need to have specific training in the airplane. If you want to fly another multi-engine seaplane, you need to have very specific thorough training in that airplane. And there's very few of those out there that you can get training in. Uh, So it is a challenge. We had a twin B land here a little bit earlier before we started the show. I think there's a uh, Beach 18 that's going to come available for training on floats up in Minnesota that we're hoping to cover in the magazine uh, shortly. There's a widgeon, a goose out there randomly, but multi-engine sea training is really kind of an enigma. It's hard to uh, yeah. hard to get yeah, it. Very. So where you're at now, you know, you have the rating, you fly multi-engine land, you have your multi-engine sea. You wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily jumping into a widgeon or jumping into another multi-engine sea aircraft without training. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you mentioned the Widgeon. It's not just the fact that it's a multi-engine airplane. The Widgeon, you know, has these sort of uh, porpoising tendencies, especially right. the earlier Widgeons. So it's not just a single-engine operations in a multi-engine airplane. It's the particular characteristics of that airplane. And all seaplanes, I mean, they're kind of different than land airplanes. They all behave differently, and you need to learn what those behaviors are. To, to to be safe and operate efficiently. So that's a big part of, uh, and it goes for single-engine seaplanes as well. But, yeah, and outside like of the Twin Otter, there's not very many twin-engine float airplanes. Most of them are haul aircraft, 
And that's an, like with the widgeon, it's a completely different creature as far as how you do the approach, how you stay on step. And we found that out with the sea ray that we mm-hmm. were flying. Mm-hmm. My bottom line takeaway. Bottom line takeaway. It is an incredibly fun airplane to fly. It was a seriously pleasurable experience to uh, get in that thing, sit in the front cockpit, taxi out, uh, kind of get used to. Uh, I used to fly ultralights, and the early ones we'd call riding the pipe, and uh, <laughs> and it was kind of like riding the pipe again. You're out there with nothing, nothing else out there, and just this fantastic view and the performance. Uh, it was it was great. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I have to tell you, Mark, you do an uh, as always. You know, you, you do an amazing job on the magazine, but this issue with the air cam on the cover is by far, I think, the the most beautiful cover we've ever had on the magazine. It's a great story. If you want to learn more about the air cam, more about doing multi-engine sea training, uh, look us up at the Seaplane Pilots Association. You can get a hold of Mark at editor at seaplanes.org. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll try to share our experience with you and get you what you need to answer your questions on on actually making this come true. So I think that is it. We are out of time today. Again, Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for the amazing job you're doing on the magazine, and congratulations for joining the Club of Multi-Engine Seaplane yeah, Pilots. congratulations. <laughs> you're you one of us much. now. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> hey, it was fun. Thanks. Awesome. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show... I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.